Please join me in the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at his hand, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. Oh, come, let us worship him. Let us kneel and bow down before him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We've done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise.
scripture lesson for this evening, which will also serve as the basis for our homily, is taken from the Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter, the 15th verse. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Thanks be to God. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, by the glorious resurrection of your Son, you have guaranteed to us our justification before your throne. You have declared us to be innocent of all sin in Christ. We thank and praise you for this wonderful truth and also for the hope of the resurrection you have given us in his resurrection. Bless us tonight as we meditate upon your holy word and give us hearts of faith to love that word and also give us blessings in our lives should we someday be blessed with children to bring them up also in that precious truth. We pray this all in our Lord's saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's grace, kindness, and compassion belong to you only in that Redeemer. Amen.
Every time I eat Fritos, I think about Vacation Bible School. And the reason is, when I was four, I believe, was the first time I was allowed to go to Vacation Bible School. And my mom sent me with a lunch, it was an all-day VBS, sent me with a lunch, and it had a package of Fritos in it. And I remember the hymn that we learned at VBS that year. It was, Let Us Ever Walk with Jesus, along with others. But that hymn, every time I sing it, I think of Fritos and I think of VBS. It's interesting that from that age, uh, that was such an important moment in my life where I felt old enough now to actually go to some form of schooling uh, to receive instruction in this precious faith that had been given to me and had been put in me even in the waters of baptism. The vast majority of, of us who are sitting in the sanctuary here tonight have, have been following Christ and listening to his word since we were probably in diapers. 95% of the adult members of congregations typically have uh, began feeding alongside of the sheep of Christ even when they were little, we little lambs, as we hear Jesus talking about tonight. I don't know the name uh, of the man or the woman. I'm not sure how long ago it was. But somewhere in my family tree, there was a pagan forefather or foremother who was brought to the Christian faith. And by that action in their heart, worked by the Holy Spirit, that altered the spiritual direction in my family. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit broke that heathen chain of unbelief and since that time has primarily used private homes to ultimately bring the truth of Christ and the voice of Christ, my good shepherd, right down to my spiritually dead heart to give me faith in Christ and cause me now to want to follow him. And for this reason, the, the feeding of lambs, the taking care of little children in the faith, is of utmost importance to the work of the church, not only in the family, but also in a congregation. The text before us tonight takes place in the afterglow of our Lord's glorious resurrection. And it reminds us of Peter's fall, falling away from Christ and how Jesus restores him again. We're told, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he says to them this little command, feed my lambs. Notice that, that Jesus here doesn't say feed the lambs. He doesn't say feed the lambs that belong to certain families. But he specifically says feed my lambs. Even though these precious souls belong to families, to mothers and fathers, uh, those who have been connected to Christ in the waters of baptism and given the gift of faith are now his. And he declares them to be his children. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? That, that even when you were a little child and brought to faith, that the Lord Jesus already declared you to be his child. And he claims them as his own, and he has even more invested in them than the parents do. He has invested his very blood and his very life, already feeling the, the pangs of hell so that that little child would never have to feel that. He sacrificed himself and, and seeks to protect them from all of the enemies of the flock. 
And he alone knows the amazing home that he has paid for for them to enter someday, the beautiful green pastures of heaven. So these children, blessed to belong to believing parents, also, more importantly, belong to the Savior. Isaiah tells us, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And it's, it's very frequent that we see images of Jesus as the good shepherd with a, a lamb in his arms, uh, holding it close to his chest. Uh, it's such a comforting picture to, to know that that's how our Savior cares for us. And in the command that he gives to Peter, he uniquely distinguishes the spiritual care that these young believers need to have away from the rest of the flock, similar to them, and at the same time uniquely different. How they are, how they are cared for in these very young and early impressionable years can have a greater impact on their future life. And he does this caring for these, these lambs through the caregivers, both the pastors and the parents. The childlike faith that gets worked in someone, as Jesus elsewhere talks about in Scripture, is certainly one that, that is, is typically very trusting. And that's why Jesus puts a child in front of his disciples and says, this is how I want your faith to be, like the faith of a child. And at the same time, that same strong faith can so easily be damaged, scarred, or destroyed by something that is done or said in the wrong direction, either by parent or pastor. A gentleman by the name of Paul Kretzman says this, Impress God's word upon these sheep while they are still in the plastic state. It's an interesting comment, the plastic state. There's a, a time in your life when you are more moldable, if you will, with that word of God and hearing the voice of the good shepherd. And so Christ carries out this shepherding role through his pastors and also through mothers and fathers that bring up their children in that word of Christ. And in this command, you can see Jesus' heart toward children. Uh, who also said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for the kingdom of, of God belongs to such as these. So the pastoral office that Peter would be placed into is to pay close attention to the spiritual needs of little children in the congregation. But Christ also gives a very stern warning in that regard. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You've probably seen the old millstone collars that people would wear, or the clerical collar was to be a reminder not only of the call to the congregation, but primarily, primarily of the call to care for these little sheep who could so easily be damaged spiritually for the rest of their lives by abuse, or by miseducation. But likewise, the parental office that our Lord has established is to, is to pay close attention to the instruction of children. He says, bring up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's more than likely that the majority of you in here tonight uh, will someday be blessed with being parents. And God would have you keep your eye on the true spiritual target of your parenting. Staying off of drugs, keeping your virginity until you get married, 
learning to not take the Lord's name in vain. There are many, many things that we can think oftentimes are so important to pass on to our children. But let's never make their, their goodness and their behavior the target of our Christian parenting. The real target is to get them to heaven. And that is to keep them through a, pent- a penitent heart, trusting in Christ alone for his grace and for his forgiveness. We must keep our eyes on that as the real purpose and target of our faith, to get them to heaven through repentance and faith in Christ. Martin Luther gave this instruction. He said, Married people should know that they can perform no better and no more useful work for God, Christianity, the world, themselves, and their children, than by bringing up their children well. Pilgrimages to Rome and to Jerusalem, building churches, providing for masses, or whatever else the work may be called, is nothing in comparison with the right training of children. For that is the straight road to heaven, and it cannot be more easily attained in any other way. So God does not give you the responsibility to create faith in your child's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But he will give you, if you're a parent, he will give you the responsibility of placing your child where the Holy Spirit can do that work. And that is at the feet of Christ, the Good Shepherd, through his word. Someday in heaven, I can't wait to meet the ancestor that altered the path of the gospel in my family's life. And I plan to go up to her or to him and to thank them for for the fact that God used them to work this faith in their hearts and saw the importance of passing that on to their children. May he give all of us that same love for our good shepherd as well so we can have those blessed thanksgivings and congregation or conversations in heaven ourselves someday. Amen.